Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Wide Wonders Get on the Bus podcast, where we try very hard to think lightly of ourselves and deeply of the world we live and love in. Our mission at Wide Wonder is the same (laughs) as it's been this whole season, is to talk about addiction and mental injury stigma. Why? Because stigma is everywhere. It is the foundation of all of the ways that we react and respond to people who have mental illness and addiction, and it's everywhere. It's in policies, it's in doctor's offices, it's in individuals, even those suffering from addiction and mental illness, and in treatment and recovery centers, and it holds everything back. It holds back needle exchanges, even though for decades, studies have repeatedly found that needle exchanges help prevent the spread of diseases, such as HIV and Hep C, that can spread through used syringes while not increasing overall drug use. Stigma holds back widespread adoption of addiction medicine, like Suboxone, Methadone, Naltrexone, despite all the empirical evidence that it is effective to the point of reducing death by 50%. Medications are actually considered the gold standard for care of opioid addiction. Yet, they're rejected because people addicted to drugs are still being blamed for their condition. And sadly, the majority of treatment providers look at it, look at it as a crutch rather than an ally. This stigmatized lens is sadly responsible for the loss of life and needs to be stopped. Stigma holds back context for how people end up becoming addicted. We need to know more about that, the process of how somebody ends up where they end up. Instead of just focusing on the behavior and the symptoms, stigma holds back people understanding the difference between dependence and addiction. This continually comes up in articles, especially where they're saying that babies are born addicted. It is not accurate and it creates way more problems than solutions when we stigmatize even babies. That has to stop. We need more education about the difference between dependence and addiction. And it holds back family healing. Finally, stigma holds back compassion and empathy, two of the most powerful ingredients needed to move people towards wholeness and health. Some years ago, I joined a group of men who work in the treatment and recovery field. And since then, we have become really close allies in the journey toward wholeness and health for ourselves in the world that we live in. We help and support each other with issues that relate to our struggles with mental illness and or addiction, to our struggles with work and marriages and raising kids and everything in between. On today's podcast, we connect with one of those men, Karsten McCarter, who's also one of the principals in Lean in Recovery and the River IOP in the Cleveland area. As per usual, When him and I talk, we dive in headfirst and get very enthusiastic about the world we both live and work in. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and if you do, please don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. Without further ado, let's get on the bus with Karsten McCarter. Welcome to another Get on the Bus podcast. My guest today is Karsten McCarter. Karsten McCarter! Hi! (laughs) And Karsten and I know each other because we meet once a year at a 
secret location outside of Aspen with members of the Gettys and the Rothschilds, and we run the universe. That's true. Yeah. So that's how we know each other. But we're not going to go deep into that because what would be interesting about that? We are going to uh, talk about different subjects. We're going to see where it goes. But as you know, this is a podcast about stigma uh, and sort of how that fits into the narrative and the context of treatment and recovery and just people's experience around it and then whatever else kind of comes up uh, in, in relationship to that. But truthfully, besides when we meet once a year at that secret camp, we know each other pretty well. Yeah. And that I feel very grateful for. Um, because, nice well, thank you. And I, and I think the reason why is because, is because of the reason I want you on here and that I enjoy you as, be, as one of my friends is because you are a very thoughtful and considerate person, but you are also a person who has a clarity about his mission and what he is here to do on this planet. Purpose. Wow. Purpose. You see that. I do see that. Wow. Well, okay. and it's expressed to I me. I hide it well. <laughs> <laughs> it's expressed to me in that you are a business owner. Mm -hmm. You deliver a service. You work hard at what you do. Mm -hmm. um, you put a lot of effort. You put a lot of heart. And I think that's that's a thing that a lot of people would be envious of, even though there are obviously challenges in this process. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just being on this planet. Just being on the planet. <laughs> just being on, challenge. being on the big blue ball. The big blue ball. Yeah, the blue, big blue marble. So why don't we just jump into it? Sure. Why don't you uh, give us just a little background on, on yourself, the, um, sure. the cliff notes. Uh, where do you come from? Well, I grew up, I was born in Texas. Ah. Texas. Texas. And uh, moved to Michigan when I was a child and then uh, grew up there. And I couldn't wait to get out of Michigan. I was just, I was ready to go. <laughs> what, what was so great about Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in retrospect, the community that I grew up in yeah. was really strong. Yeah. But I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. I took everything for granted. Totally. Uh, you know, I, I was fairly far progressed in alcoholism without knowing it and uh what age are we talking oh geez oh i moved when i was 19 and, and then oh, okay. came back and then left again at 21. oh wow yeah failed experiment failed experiment yes i've had a few of those yes yeah and so uh so yeah so i moved to montana when i was 21 under the guise of school but i really wanted to ski because that was um, my thing yeah and uh so you skied in the up the Upper Peninsula, oh, yeah. Indian yeah. Head, and Indian Head, yeah, uh, Blackjack, Powderhorn, Powderhorn, all yeah. three of those. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's where I cut my teeth. Really? Yes. I did not know yes, that. Yes, yes, Up yes. in the Iron Mountain. That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, was it cold? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job up there. Oh, with, with the cold, they mitigate. I yep. don't know how. So I moved to Montana, and within a couple of years, realized that I had a problem, and found myself at a twelve-step group, and. Okay. And then a year later, uh, I was studying recreation management at the University of Montana. And I started doing these uh, presentations on how I thought recreation would be so have such an impact on people that were struggling with alcohol and drug use. Yeah. 
without knowing that there was a whole field oh. <laughs> of oh, this is great. treatment yes. and things like that. So okay. one of my instructors wow. said, hey, why don't you uh, take a look at this place? And it was called Wilderness Treatment Center. Mm -hmm. They're still around. WTC. Almost, WTC, almost, almost 40 years old. Wow, is it really that long? Yeah, 83. Wow. So okay. 30, what are we? 30 I was 18. I'm 54. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I fell in love with their model and they accepted me, which was so cool. Well, how soon after somebody said, hey, you should check this out, did you end up at WTC? Well, I, like, I called I called up there within a day or two. Wow. And just said, hey, I just learned of you. Yeah. And I just got sober, yeah. and I'm I'm ready to work for you. And yeah. He says, "Look, you you have to have at least a year." Okay. So at a year, year of sobriety, a year of sobriety. Yep. So at uh, a year and one day, yes. I started. Wow. Ninety five, and we, I just was running trips. Yeah. And because I was in recovery, you know, I was allowed to share part of my story and point out things in groups. Yeah. And the therapist that was on the trip and I got along famously and he, he eventually became the clinical director and really encouraged me to get my counseling license. So with skiing in there, that took a few more years. Yeah. Than yeah. Maybe what it to get the counseling license. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Finally I did in an O2, I, I uh, became a counselor up there until 12, 2012. Wow. That's quite a run. Yeah. And, you know, we got to go out in the wilderness with these guys. And, and this is year-round, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Winter, all seasons, uh, you know, up in northwest Montana. I, lo I loved it. Um, <clears throat> but then at a certain point, I just kind of felt like there was more. Yeah. Uh, so I made the move to Maine and uh, worked in continued care. Okay. Which uh, this particular place was, it's amazing, you know, what we were able to do. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as international trips and, uh, you know, taking advantage of the Maine woods mm -hmm. and also providing an urban experience for okay. our clients because I think that's important. You know, we think that all the heavy lifting is done in primary treatment, right. which a lot of it is. Uh, but there's this long period afterwards, I would call it nine months, of the stabilization and integration of principles to where they become, in my opinion, come more second nature to a person mm -hmm. rather than foreign or a treatment plan assignment or something that they need to be reminded of all the time. Yeah. And then I realized how much heavy lifting is done on that end of uh, the treatment continuum. Yeah. Yeah. And you're yeah. talking about real life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always say it moves at the speed of life. We're in treatment we're controlling the, um, the environment. Yes. Structure, accountability, stabilization, yeah. oversight. The timing. We're trying yeah. to reduce the stimulation mm -hmm. so that people can begin to focus on themselves, actually hear themselves. Well, we're dealing with post-acute withdrawal, which are real exactly. things. They're exactly. real symptoms and, and, Certain people go through it gracefully and don't take very long, and there's a spectrum, and there are people who, whew, right, right, <laughs> they're not going to get to hear you. You're not, they're not going to get to hear what you have to say. Right. Who? Somebody who's just wound in that post-acute oh, withdrawal because yes. they can't get through the fog of whatever they've just come off of. Right. That's and a tough. And you'll also see that 
further along in further the recovery, along yeah recovery process yes. or sometimes uh you know somebody's been with us for six months plus maybe two months of treatment yeah and all of a sudden they're experiencing a difficulty yeah and and you know the family and maybe even some of the staff are going what's what's going on here what happened to billy right and to slow things down and yeah. say, geez, this is just a part of the process that we're in. Yeah. And, you know, do our best to assist somebody through that. Yeah. You know, so in your years with WTC, what was what did you come out of there with appreciating about the process in which you worked, but also really importantly, what you learned about yourself in that process? that you continue to use today to help people that you're using in this new environment? Well, I think, you know, the, the wilderness as a part of the milieu there yeah. um, taught me a lot. Yeah. You know, it helped me to become more grounded, to take things as they come, rather than trying to overthink, well, if this, you know, what if this happens or what if this happens? I mean, we would be, it'd be August, a beautiful August day, and then all of a sudden you've got three inches of snow on the ground and, <laughs> going what happened there and, right. and through that process i i started to realize that i didn't have to carry as much weight in my in my mind mm. in my spirit yeah. as i would because i felt responsible for yeah. the clients and and felt you know responsible for their safety their well-being mm -hmm. their treatment and i took it serious yeah uh but i would drive myself crazy yeah you know I yeah would be exhausted at the end of the day most of it had to do the mental energy I was expending. Yeah. And then the same thing transpired within the, uh, you know, the treatment center itself. Yeah. Because it's a split model. Yeah. Where the first 30 days, a client's in inpatient treatment groups, individual counseling, treatment planning, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, and then would go in the wilderness after a family week. So that started to translate back to, you know, if, if a client was having a, a problem and I would overthink it so i just i guess i just settled down yeah you know yeah yeah gained experience met uh, you know so many people in so many different uh with so many different attitudes and experiences that over time you know i, I probably did go through a, a section of time where i i kind of thought i knew somebody and then right. and then kind of grew past that and said you know yes this sounds the same as i've heard it for years but this is this individual. Yes, right. It's yeah. not, you know, this the, is the, the kid I saw 10 years ago. Right. So Some similarities, but it seems like you had a growing respect for people still being, well, they think of themselves as individuals. They're not necessarily right. thinking, they're not walking around going, I'm like that guy. They're walking right. around going, I'm not like that guy. Yeah. And looking for more about how they can be autonomous or different or special or unique you know, in the system, yeah. because it's kind of what we all want to a certain extent It's to yeah. be seen and heard for who we are, not to be grouped or not to be labeled or not to be exploited in that way that doesn't feel genuine to our own spirit. Well, people, my experience is that people want to maintain their power. Yes. They want to maintain their power. Amen. I was going to talk to you about this subject. And when we try to, I mean, I think that there's validity to model a milieu model, mm -hmm. but when we continually try to force every person into that, right. uh, you know, it's a classic, uh, whatever round hole square pen. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we need to learn to carve a square in for, 
for that person and the same with a triangle. Uh, so I think that that started to show up yeah. then too. Yeah. Uh, and then through my process uh, in continued care, um, really started to see the individuality of people or maybe maybe the first time because we we're, were model driven at WTC. This is the model, this is what we do. And we can, you know, push the boundary here or there, but really this is what it comes down to. Yeah. And where I was in Maine, just opened those doors and it was uncomfortable at first. Sure. Yeah. Because you because I had to start trusting people more. And you know, I think if you go into the twelve step, you know, lexicon mm -hmm. or or even old school treatment, however you want to put that, yeah. you know, there's no reason anybody should trust this person. And I learned that actually there's plenty of reasons because I think that fundamentally people want to survive. People want to get better, especially when they start to understand their situation better as their mind clears and, you know, some of the delusion that, that we carry, illusion that we carry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, through addiction starts to clear we start to want to get better. And learning to trust that somebody had that innately uh, yeah. versus it was something that needed to be, you know. Yeah, installed. Into, yeah, installed, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, the, like a software update yeah, here's your, comes from outside exactly. and from some other source. Exactly. I think that's a really interesting point because in, in my whole journey with my own uh, love affair with cocaine and vodka and all of that, you know, what it was entailed in that relationship and how, uh, how crazy it was in a sense. Um, and then working in this field since 2002 and realizing some of the things that I believed that weren't even really true because I didn't know what to believe about whatever that was going on. I wasn't even thinking that I was going to analyze it the way that I ended up <laughs> analyzing it. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because trusting the process is like the greatest thing I've ever learned because by trusting the process, I started, I stopped overthinking. I, and that struck me when you said that because I think that could be one of our collective challenges as human beings is this the good news is that we're adaptable and the bad news is that we're adaptable right right yeah the good news is that we have this mind and that's also the bad news yeah. so it's it's the mixed bag it's more about learning what to do with it right. and how to live in the idea that life is both and not either or because i feel like i was socialized at, with the either or proposition you're either successful or you're not, right. you know what I mean? Right. You either get fucking A's or you don't, you know what I mean? Ricky Bobby, you're yeah. either first or you're last. Or you're last. Hell, you could be four or six. So it's like, so a lot of this unwinding is, instead of relearning what you had already learned, you have to sort of unwind or deconstruct that even after you come off the drugs mm -hmm. and that whole crazy ride. Mm -hmm and not go back to the way it was before, but to create a whole new platform right. that allows you to be autonomous, to feel powerful, mm -hmm. unique in the, in the sense of how you see the world, right. your worldview. Right. 
so that you can figure out how to express that in a way that's sustainable so you do not go back to the default of this isn't working for me, I don't understand it, I don't feel powerful, I feel victimized, I feel marginalized, I feel lost, or any number of ways of, of, of uh, analyzing it to the point where it feels like you're standing in solid ground and you're rooted. Right. It's like that's what people want, right? Is that yeah. what you see? Well, yeah, to, to feel connected, yep. secure, yep. In their attachment safe, to safe. Yep. yeah, for sure. What I've been thinking about what you're talking was, and I want to give credit to Eckhart Tolle, I think, mm. I'm not sure, yeah. maybe it's someone else, but who talked about, you know, the mind is master versus the mind is a tool. Yes. And I think that, you know, good recovery, if we want to call it that, yeah. is, is helping people realize that, that, you know, they may just be falling prey to one of 60,000 thoughts that go through their head or many of those yeah. and begin to slow themselves down yeah. so that they can start to, so that the mind becomes more of a tool. Right, and they can reconnect with source, which is not the mind as a master. Right, right. And, and I think that's a great distinction because when you are caught up in the expectation or the injected values of whatever system you grow up or whatever culture or whatever tribe, mm -hmm. What else do you know? Yeah, and that's a that's a difficult thing. Yeah, you know, you, I mean, of course, everybody goes through the training for multicultural counseling or whatever the case may be. <laughs> right, right, the training. Yeah, the right. training. Yeah, yeah, but in real life, yeah. you know, yeah. it, you know, the, I guess the current, uh, you know, phrase is that we meet someone where they are. Where they are. Yeah, yeah, and. And that's difficult when you're, when you feel like you've got one answer or there is the answer that someone is missing instead of helping someone find their answer within the context of who they are, yeah. where they come from. Yeah. Yeah. What they've experienced. What they've experienced. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, what I've learned on this bus trip so far is one of the biggest things is that we're really not good at context. Yeah. And contextualism is like my, is like my higher power now. This, this idea of where do I find my power? I find it in context. I find it in the idea of beginning middles and continuums right. and a human becoming aspect of life and that I'm remain teachable and exploring and mm -hmm. being open and being curious mm -hmm. instead of judgmental right and leading with curiosity and it's a foreign concept especially after you've gone to the depths that people go through their mental illness and or addiction mm -hmm. because you're necessarily um an explorer yourself is the way I look at it yes um and so that's what I try to tell the guys I work with is you've actually embarked on one of the greatest adventures of your life should yeah. you choose to accept your mission. Yeah. Should you, <laughs> you know, the call to adventure in the uh, uh, hero's journey, you know, I, exactly. I think that's valid. I think it's absolutely valid. And, and that's part of the process of healing, I think, happens quicker and more effectively when it's being witnessed by somebody who appreciates that yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. Instead of it, 
instead of it being about them, they understand because they've made the separation. They've necessarily created a differentiated ego where they realized that the I is not me, mm -hmm. where it is not I at all. And that somehow I've been able to detach from that part where it feels like there's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> right, and, and it pops up, it still pops oh, up yeah. all the yeah, time because, sure. because necessarily some of us have an overdeveloped sense of justice and fairness mm -hmm. that is also is good, but also extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. And if you've grown up <clears throat> in the way that I grew up, <clears throat> which is obviously all done through hindsight and the work that we do in the, at the ranch outside of Aspen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. um, is that because we're not good at context other people don't say yeah but how did you get here mm -hmm. it's more like i recognize where you're at and i can get you somewhere else right the fixer right instead of we need to bring all of this together mm -hmm. and i thought about this on this trip as i'm going through and i'm passing different towns towns of total insignificance to me, right? <laughs> but they were created and exist for a reason. There's an exit sign for a reason. Yeah. Like there's a reason that exists because and it's long and it's in people live there that, yeah. and there was a reason why they all ended up and gathered there and stayed there. Yeah. And that was a cumulative amount of circumstances and experiences and reasonings and rationalizations and survival and, meeting needs and all of that stuff or it's where the wagon broke down <laughs> exactly yes forever and a day this yeah. place will be known yeah. as murphyville yeah. <laughs> but 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 staking that claim as a person when they're potentially at the end of this process of dealing with their traumas and their and the addictions that that come up in the mental injury or challenge or disorder whatever we're calling it is when it's being witnessed by somebody like yourself where you can appreciate it that you're not the hero of this process you're exactly. not even you're a shepherd or a custodian or a or janitor just or, or a just witness. a witness yeah. holding the space for somebody to be to be challenged at whatever you're presenting in your where they found yourself in your milieu because necessarily they're not going to totally agree with what you're doing. No. Like, who are you? Most, Do you know what I mean? I mean, initially, most don't. Right. And that's... And, and, and I, fair enough. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the struggles I had to get over was understanding that. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. It makes complete sense. Yeah. I have to look inside to see that I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, if I yeah. step into a new whatever, I'm immediately making sure that I'm safe. And yeah. You know, and if, yeah. and if somebody comes at me with, this is the way that you have to be. So when I started to recognize that, I think it really helped me to, you know, uh, be just be there most of the time. Yeah. I'll offer things, yeah. but, you know, whether or not they were picked up by the other person or let go, I, you know, to your, and I've got the bracelet on, you know, trust the process. Trust the process. It's like, this is one conversation or one uh, you know, incident of many to come. Yeah. And, you know, again, back to that idea that people want to get better. Yeah. They'll start to figure it out. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the part that I think is missing 
in, in, in a lot of people's programs, either personal or otherwise, people who are treating other people, is this disrespect or not recognizing the respect necessary when recognizing somebody's self-determination and free will. And when you can connect with that kind of respect, I think that ultimately builds trust and rapport quicker than the idea of I'm coming at you like a spider monkey with all my, <laughs> keep going back to I know. It's Talladega. It's God, I love that movie. movie. <laughs> we can do a whole podcast yeah. just on that movie yeah. and how it relates to life and recovery all and everything else. Yeah. yeah. But because I see a lot of, I see a lot of injected values. I see a lot of injection going on and it's even in the word treatment which I think hopefully one day won't be called treatment anymore because it's the promise of the sort of... What, what would you call it? I don't know, but it, the, the, the implication is that I'm going to treat somebody. It's yeah. more, you know what I mean? It's more going at someone, mm -hmm. delivering something, going to treat you this way kind of thing. Um, I have thought some about that, but I haven't worked it, workshopped it enough to, sure. to put it out there. But I like the idea of the paradigm shifts or the language shifts or the approach shifts that invite them into the process as equal partners, mm -hmm. as opposed to some of the hierarchy that goes on either implicit or explicit yep. is interesting to me in terms of the, uh, uh, the evolution treatment and recovery. Mm -hmm. um, just everything I've read and experienced. But do you and, feel there's a shift going on? Yeah, I do. You know, the, I do. The, the more and more as I travel yep. and I meet different programs yep. and tour different programs to see what's out there, I'm hearing it more. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the beginning part where we start to hear some yeah. of the language. We start to, I just, I think the part that's, and I'm impatient in this because I, I feel like in part it's happening on the backs of people who are dying. And and are and and the people who grieve in the wake of that mm -hmm. those great losses, yeah. and that's what that's why I get up every day, every single day without question, they're on my mind, yeah. because as sad as it is, and as sad as a lot of this is in terms of the struggle, ongoing struggle, um, some of the things that happen in the wake of people in active addiction, mm -hmm. um, and all of that asks more of me in terms of solution or in terms of engagement in terms of accessibility to treatment in terms of making it inclusive and making it more available and the things we've talked about yep. in relationship to stigma because stigma is the attitude discrimination is the action taken based on the attitude developed through the stigma and then once we get through that is there treatment waiting for people that's affordable accessible respect, you know, respectful <laughs> yeah. of what we've been talking about, of individuality, of uniqueness, of, of, of people's process. Well, that's what I find it, you know, I'm thinking of a guy that we have currently who's been through, I don't know oh how gosh. many treatments, Yeah, all pretty accessible treatment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but the thing that I know that he, or I, I saw pretty quickly that he wasn't used to was somebody just loving it yeah. and saying, you know what, I, I think you deserve this. I think that you, and not in a, you know, you, I, I would hope that you would believe yeah. that as a human being yeah. who deserves dignity and respect that you would start to see too. 
and get past the messaging mm -hmm. that you may have heard before yeah. just because you couldn't communicate very well or you broke the rules yeah. or you know you you were acting out in some way in the group process and really started to mess with the other sure. uh, clients that that um, you know that that even though you've been through all that your family still supports you enough to provide this opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and we want you to know that, you know, as much as we can, we're going to help create a clean slate for you. Yeah. And it's not so much, I think that that's one of the biggest hurdles uh, is that, you know, when guys come to us, uh, we, we have a clean slate. We're like, hey, welcome. You know, you, you did what you did. That's great. Let's move forward. That's where you want to go, seemingly. At least that's what you told me over the phone. Yeah. And and they have to begin to trust that that's true. Yeah. And so it's continually saying, hey, man, I'm telling you this now. Yeah. Uh, just watch my feet. And if, and if I'm doing something or saying something that contradicts what I just said, then I want you to be able to tell me that. Yeah. And over the course of time you know, that relationship develops where they will yeah and you know at first it's like well you know hold on there son you know <laughs> i'm a pro yes, i've been right. doing this a long time right here we go uh you know but but when it's received in such a way that says you know what i, I don't necessarily agree with you now but i'm going to think about that yeah and then with a follow-up to say gosh you know you're right yeah well that's a different attitude than insisting that you agree Right, the premise yeah. is this is just this is it. So take it or leave it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I mean the level of you know the troubles with self-image are evident with people who with long treatment experiences, oh, yeah. um, long relationships with drugs and alcohol. Um, that's a real delicate trip when you're trying to explain that the way that you see yourself is not the way I see you. Right. And that happens in the family system, first of all, right? Because we're supported, we love our kids and they're reflecting back that they're a piece of shit. And, and so the conversation is, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yeah. Well, and, you're supposed to say that. You're my mom. Well, exactly. That's why you tell me that right. you love me. Exactly. Right? You have to. You have to. <laughs> and, and that in and of itself is interesting as a filter for another human being to doubt or to suspect that what you're saying, whether it's your mother or Karsten to somebody who's in his care. Well, and explaining that to families. Yeah. Because they'll, you know, a lot of times, you know, they've done a lot right. Of course, we need to give credit where credit's due yeah. instead of just listing off right. the egregious. You know, you know. We, we told him that we loved him. We made sure that he had a great place to, to, uh, to live and it was safe and access to whatever. Well, you know, trying to explain that that self-image is crushed. Because for the most part, people are way off of their own being. Yeah. You know, what? Yeah their own values, their own, you know, that's all twisted and mucked up by drug use and everything that comes along with it. And so working with families, you know, part of that is the psychoeducational piece that, yeah, you're telling them that you love it, but, you know, the response internally is that's what she's supposed to say. Or even deeper than that, you don't know what I've done. Or even deeper than that, I'm unlovable. That's right. And, you know, help. And when, when people 
I, I, my experience is that when people start to recognize that, uh, family members start to recognize that, uh, there's so much more compassion that comes yeah. towards the individual yeah. from the from the family. Yeah, because they think it's a choice or they think it's a, a you know purposeful way of acting. Yeah, and not understanding that they're that this person is suffering. Yeah, even though they've been sober by the time I see them, sometimes two to three months. Yeah. So the drug use stopped. They're fixed. Not quite. You know, we got some work to do. Yeah, and it, and it is. It's the respect of the process is difficult when the information and the images and the way that it is presented in general to society is conflicting with the actual truth of what's going on behind the scenes. Right. These are competing narratives that cause people great distress. And, and that's part of the deconstruction is mm -hmm. listen, I'm <laughs> you're watching mainstream news or any kind of outlet that's that's reaching the most amount of people is more than likely not giving you the whole story, if not even just not the real story. They're giving you the story that's going to capture your attention, right. but not really deliver to you the context. context. Yes, there you go. It's necessary yeah. for you to be feel powerful in the situation. Right. There's a reason why everybody comes to the table feeling like, you know, that they're tore up from the floor up, or that they don't have a handhold or a foothold. They there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is that we've skipped over all of that. We don't even know it a lot of times, but we need to give more attention to the idea of how does a family get back into the power position? Because addiction blows that all out mm -hmm. because we give all our power to it. Right. The behavior and symptoms get all of the juice. Mm -hmm. You're not a person, you're an addict, and I'm an enabler. I guess, is that where we're starting here? It's yeah, like, it's right, like right. what about what we talked about earlier? What about the context of the experience of the family, not just this generation, but intergenerationally? How do I learn how to talk the way I talk or relate to anyone? How do I know how to do a relationship? Well, I had models. Mm -hmm. I had people that I watched. Mm -hmm. And that's what carries on. That's my education. Mm -hmm. So I come to you with this all of a sudden where, you know, George is born and there's an ideal that comes with George's birth yes. that this is going to be amazing and life is awesome and can't wait to meet George and raise him and for him to go off to college, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> then all of a sudden you get this fucking mental illness uppercut or yeah. addiction cross yeah. and the ideal is ruined. And that family system from that moment mm -hmm. feels like a failure, like there is no like there's no context right it's we have we have totally failed look at julie and tom they're doing fine yeah their kids playing tennis <laughs> they're they kicking tennis right star. they're doing it right they went to college they got married yeah. they have kids right. and george what happened to george whose yeah. fault is that you know right. what i mean like right. how are we going to organize around this in a way that keeps my keeps me intact right mm -hmm because I can't fall apart. Right. I need to figure out how to fix this. Somebody's gonna end up being that person, that point person in the family. Right. And they don't have any skill, but they go right at it with all of them and vigor of, that you would hope they would because they care and love for this person. Yeah, and they're doing the best they, my, my fundamental premise is that people are doing the best they can with yeah. what they have. Here's my premise and you can use this. Yes. The only perfect parents are the ones that don't have kids yet. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, because having kids, oh my God. 
<laughs> you and I? <laughs> yeah. What the hell are we you doing know, I don't know. with kids? I don't know. Like, there's, there's who no handed us the, for that? Exactly. Right? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, being told, hey, you're about to have a son, and uh, it changes everything. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, of course it changes everything. Well, right? yeah. It, yeah. It changes oh. everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And, it, and the, the, the depth yeah. to which it did. And the discombobulation that I experienced yes. all of a sudden being a father yeah. uh, was was amazing, and yeah. I try to remember that. I do remember that. Yes, uh, you know when I'm when I'm uh, you know talking with families mm -hmm. and, and we're having a family session yeah. or, or something like that. I think that's the most important thing we can do. Without, I mean, I f we live in the laboratory. As far as I'm concerned, right, you right. and I live in the laboratory of being able to do this in a way really at the advantage, the advantage we have is that we have worked with families mm -hmm. who have had different experiences and relationships with their kids right. in a way that, that if they had to, they could do it all over again, they would do things differently because they would have skills right. instead of just winging it, which is why I feel like we're not winging it as much as we might have to if we worked in some other arena. Have you ever, have you ever thought about this? And this is something that, yeah. uh, <clears throat> like, I have never been this before. Yeah. I've never been this sober before. Yeah. I've never been this, uh, you know, a parent of a 14-year-old and a 9-year-old. I've never. So we're all kind of making it up as we go along with the wisdom that's around us. Yeah. And trying to find what fits and what doesn't. Yep. And I think that when we can bring that into our work, just that self-knowledge. Right. And it's honest, too, because yeah. you're talking about yeah. you're talking about what I love about you is the intentionality of wanting to be a better man. Yeah. Because you take what you do seriously as a as a counselor, as a business owner, as a father, as a husband and those kinds of things. And I think that's the advantage that the people who work with you get. That's what makes the process and what you offer really valuable because that can't be our whole life. And I know it is for some people. When they work in the tree, oh, that's yeah. their whole life. Right. Meanwhile, so their highest value is making this successful. Right. At what cost? For me, it's, I would never sacrifice and this is because my, my biggest void growing up was that feeling of a family that I thought I should have right. when I, when I compared, right. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, and so when I became the family, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like I've never done it. I'm going to give it everything. everything. I'm going to be, and not, not that I wanted to be father of the year, but I just wanted to be present. I wanted to be, I wanted to hold the space. I wanted to do things in a way that respected them as being the hero of this journey, not me. Like, listen to my wisdom. Like, this has been the, this has been the thing. <laughs> this has been the thing that's gone out the window. First of all, not because I threw it out the window, because I was resistant to that, because I fell into the trap of, I've got a lot of great things to say. I know stuff. Oh, I'm 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 right? like insight, all that. To now, I'm like, nope. I'm not going there. My biggest skill that I have as a, as a father is presence, strong silence. I could have never predicted that that's the way that I would be because I like to talk. I'm doing a podcast. 
right. I, I enjoy right. this kind of discourse. Yeah. I love this kind of communication. I love sharing what I know. But in the context of being a parent, being a counselor, or being a therapist, or a coach, where somebody is entrusted to you, mm-hmm. everything that I thought that was the way it was supposed to be is gone. But I think in that, in that well, not even in that specific situation, you know, my kids have become my teachers. Totally. Because you can't, I, well, and I even, even take it a step further, my wife, who's mm-hmm. lovely and yeah. I, she's my rock, you know, I remember early on, she says, you know, don't, don't pull that counseling shit on me. <laughs> you know? I have a story so, about little, that. A little yeah. reflective listening yeah. right. blew back in my face. Right. Well, yeah. the kids are the same way. Yeah. Because they just they just want to be honored and they want to try things out. And as long as it's safe, okay, let's do that. And, exactly. And that's it's a big point. And that's the same yeah. thing with I think working with the people that we work with. Yeah. Say, hey, try it out. As long as it's safe, give it a shot. Yeah. We're we're here, man. Yeah. If something happens, we got your back. Yeah. Just give it a shot. Yeah. See what happens. Flexibility, respect, trusting the process, self-determination, free will, understanding that intrinsically that person wants to survive and can take care of themselves. Yeah. They can. They can. Absolutely can. Absolutely. They don't necessarily come to us believing that, especially if they've been institutionalized. They've been fed maybe some different messages that they're untrustworthy, that they're unreliable, that they're irresponsible, that they're... And these things become ways they define themselves, not just reflective of a period of time in their life where they weren't able to be responsible or, you know what I mean? It doesn't define their character or even their temperament. So for me in the process, it's about, I know the way you come packaged doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. Because what I know is that underneath all of that is your true nature, is who you are. Who you are. Your confusion is that you're reading and watching your game film and thinking that's the player you are, not just how you did on that play. Mm-hmm. That's a totally different frame of mind. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, and so the idea is it's buried under there. I always thought my my viewpoint <laughs> my viewpoint was you go somewhere and you get it. You go somewhere and you buy it. You go somewhere and you experience it. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere else. They called me Houdini. We'd be hanging out like this talking. The old Irish you would, it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You would turn. I'd be gone. Where's Harrington? Jesus, that was like, what the? He's good. Yeah, wow. Amazing, right? So because in my mind, as I'm not doing reflective listening, I'm thinking it's somewhere else oh, yeah. and I built a case yeah. and I'm gone. Yeah. And the case is built on false information. It's built on illusion. It's built on it's built on misidentification mm-hmm. and or even misinformation. Misinformation, or, absolutely. Uh, you know uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, interpreting something. Yes, perceptions. Perception. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on that, and you know, when when given a chance and and some tools, of mm-hmm. course, and hey, try this out, yeah. see what happens. Yeah. You know, I think most people that I get to work with, anyways, do. Uh, you know, kind of dabble, stick their toe in the pool, yeah. see what the temperature is, yeah. and then they get a little bit of a result. That's another thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is we, we used to hear so much about, you know, especially with addiction, it's all about instant gratification. Yeah. And recovery then is all about delayed gratification. Mm. And, and I'm 
really starting to question that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm questioning it right now. I, I'm starting to see that I, I watch people and I even experience it with myself that when I make even sometimes a subtle change in, in my own life or if I'm watching and witnessing that in somebody else's life, that there is almost an instant feedback loop if we're aware enough to see it. Yeah. And so part of it is, uh, you know, our my work, our work, I think, is to point out, without being cheesy and cheerleading about it, but say, look at what happened. Mm. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, looking at things more somatically. Yeah. How did that yeah. happen in your body? Yeah. Where yeah. did you feel that? And, and you know, yeah. I found that most people uh, experience something if, they, if they're aware of yeah exactly and that growing awareness was a life changer for me because we don't get socialized that we don't get educated that way they're actually like two separate tracks right completely separate tracks well it's new age it is it's, new age new new age yeah to, that's new age yeah it's foofies. hippie foofy foofy, foofy. <laughs> it's foofy. it is and it's and it's and those are the things that are really going to change the paradigm in terms of how we go at how we overall deliver care right. around uh, the mental part of who we are, because we all have mental health, we all have physical health. You have it. What is it? How's your physical health doing? How's your blah, blah, blah? And, you, and, we, and, and we get physicals every year, right? We get yeah. a physical. Do we get a mental? I've never gotten a mental. Right? Shouldn't we? <laughs> Shouldn't we? Yeah, it does. Say. It does. I'm going to get my mental. mental. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But it's great because it's so needed. We yeah. start to we start to put these inter we interweave these because I don't know if you've noticed, but they're all in the same package. Yeah. Right. The meat soup. The meat soup. It's all inside the mental and the physical, and how they become separated is because of the stigma, because of how we relate or respond to the challenging presentation of somebody with schizophrenia, bipolar, addiction, depression, anxiety, they present in a way that isn't like what I can see as static. Oh, you have a broken arm? Can I sign your cast? It's instant sympathy, it's in instant grace, mm -hmm. it's instant connection, Yeah. right? With mental, that same kid who's a peer of the guy who broke his arm in high school, right. who has mental illness, has probably been in trouble regularly and is on his way to being expelled. Yeah. And, yeah, and one's a physical behave. injury and one's a mental injury. Yeah, because they can't behave, they can't... That's it, right. You, I can't be controlled, right? right. We cannot contain oh, you. Yeah, that's a whole... Dude. Back into the conspiracy. But the... Uh, I had something... So we need to get our mental, we need to get our physical, we need to interweave them. The legacy of Wide Wonder is to make sure that our kids treat depression and anxiety as a mental injury like they would with somebody who has a physical injury or if they have their own right. physical injury. We're gonna put them on par so that when it comes to executing some sort of solution or some sort of treatment, there's no friction to get there. There's no, nothing blocking your path. Well, I think of growing up, you know, and I kind of talked about the stigma, you know, when you're walking along the street and, and there's someone with, uh, you know, some struggle uh, you know, we're always shepherded away, you know, like, it's oh, true. let's, let's, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. Little, uh, mm -hmm. little shovel. Hand, yeah. Shovel yeah. Move. yeah. 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 Okay. We're going to go this way. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Um, and you know, I suppose there's some, there could potentially be safety issues, uh, surrounding that that would make sense. There are physical 
maybe in danger exactly proximity or whatever exactly yeah. but, but, the, the but the message is this person is markedly different from the that's way right. that the, the we are that's right uh there's a we and a they and we need to just you know stay in our own lane and you know let that person alone and so over time you know it it becomes a we and they thing. That's exactly but right. Robin and I were talking, at, you know, when we first got here, and I, 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 can't, I have this thought going through my head, like, because because certain cultures have treated what we would call, uh, you know, mentally ill, as, uh, you know, shamans, right? And and so what are we? The real question I think is, what are we comparing to? Yeah. We have this prescribed, who prescribes, that's a back of the conspiracy, but yeah. who prescribes this yes. range of emotion and mental activity, behavioral activity that says outside of that is uh, unacceptable. That's right. And yeah. we need to do something to fix that. I'll that tell is, you what it is. Okay. It's all about control. Okay. There has to be a control. If you're going to present in a way that is scary to me, unpredictable, uh, off kilter, <laughs> odd. He's a little odd. He's a little odd, a little unique. Yeah, yeah. He's a little, he's special. special. <laughs> yep. Those kinds of things, the reaction is we need to contain. Mm -hmm. He's fine now, but if we need to, we might have to might have to contain him. That means we might have to put him somewhere because it is distracting. It is not in my nature or in my emotional bandwidth to hold the space for Larry the schizophrenic to be schizophrenic. We're too busy. And it's unpredictable. I don't, I, I don't have that kind of thing. I, I need it to be under control. So mm -hmm. let's deliver some treatment. Let's deliver the, the pharmacological, whatever we can deliver. Can you get this under control? Yeah. We need to get this under control. We're very much like that as people, right? We've got some chaos in the family system. Honey, we need to get this under control or whatever. There's an orientation around control because that's related to safety, mm -hmm. right? We've eliminated some danger. We're back into safety. I can trust him at that distance yeah. <laughs> or in that constraint. Yeah. But otherwise, it's not going to work for me. And so he'll either get on board. He'll either get well. He'll either do what, as he's told, or there will be consequences. Mm -hmm. And that orientation is all built around my own lack of ability to hold space or to have the emotional bandwidth for you just to be whoever you are. Right. Gabor Monte says in, in villages in Africa and India, the guy who's flopping around over in the corner is just Joe. Yeah. He doesn't have a diagnosis. It's just Joe. It's Joe. Yeah. Who's that guy? Joe. And you don't go in and say, Joe has. Yeah. <laughs> Joe has schizophrenia. Joe is Joe. Joe, is Joe. Joe and is you Joe. mentioned that earlier. You started on that, on that line of thinking where why do we need for, there, for it to be something for me to feel safe to be in relationship with it? Why isn't it incumbent upon me to develop the emotional bandwidth to hold space for people to be who they are? They're just having an experience. It's not their fault. But it is my fault and my responsibility in how I respond. And I think going forward in family systems and personal systems, that is going to give us the ability to be more effective in how we shepherd or, or be custodians of people's struggle with mental illness and addiction. Yeah. 
I, I feel like that's where the open water is, where that's where the opportunity is. And, and to me, I think that would be healthy all around because we wouldn't have to put so much pressure on ourselves to fix, to repair, to make different, all based on our own agenda to feel safe right. and all of that. Why do we have to feel safe? Maybe we should be uncomfortable. Maybe that should bring something up in us that we get to grow from instead of having it be all, because I always have this trouble with and frustration with putting the most pressure on the person least likely to be able to handle it way too early, <laughs> right? In the process of recovery. It's like, mm -hmm. it's on you, man. Yep. Do you know how much money this is costing us? You know what I mean? Like yeah. all those kinds of things. Right. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't even know. I don't know how to emotionally regulate. What you, hang on, give me a chance, you know? You said Joe is Joe. He's not Joe, the guy with whatever. So when you have a family come in, do you talk about, without saying it's stigmatizing, or but do you talk about like your son is your son. He's not son, the addict. He's just Joe. Or how do you how do you address that? Because a, a lot of families do come carrying labels, their own labels, being enablers and and that kind of thing. Does that ever come up for you or? How do you address that or do you address yeah, I that? I think that the process, I mean, I, I suppose if there's a goal at the end of the process, it's just accepting yeah. that, you know, my son or daughter <clears throat> is who they are yeah. and they've had their struggles. Yeah. It doesn't so much matter how they manifested or, right. you know, the, 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 the trauma, although I think that's important to treat trauma. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in any way erasing that from the equation but it's um it's just that that, that they have that, well you said it earlier that they have their context yeah and to build understanding yeah uh through education but also just through pointing out uh, recently i've been going through some training in emotionally focused family therapy it's all based on an attachment theory <clears throat> and i'm finding it fascinating so it's all, I don't know how long it's been around, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's really new to me. And, yeah. and I'm like, wow, this is really powerful stuff. When we can show that when I say this, this is my reaction. And then this is the way that it comes out. And that causes this reaction in you. Yeah. And start to just become aware of the uh, interaction. That can begin to change the dialogue. Wow. And so, and so powerful. Yeah, it it wow. is. Because that's context, right? The yeah. whole thing makes sense it's right. not such a mystery instead it's of unwinding you know whatever 23 24 years we're doing it right in the moment yeah this is what's yeah. happening now yeah where it came from is yeah maybe worth a look at some point yeah. but really right now this is what's happening between you guys yeah and how can we help that yeah and then through that you do get it so the stabilization is what you're talking about first. We we get to the point where we can just communicate and relate in a way that's yeah. I mean that's it's, it's powerful at first. Yeah, at first because you got to you're going into the 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 current yeah uh, uh, communication yes, cycle. I got you. Yep. Uh, so it feels dysregulated. Yeah. And I think that part of our job there is to begin to you know put, put some meaning and context on the conversation and. Yeah. And generally people, like we keep saying, you know, people want to get better. People are willing to look at this and say, geez, every time you say this, I feel this way. And that's why I come out this way. And mm -hmm. that actually reminds me of, 
you know, what happened in my family yeah. when I was a kid. And then, you know, the, 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 you know, the son or daughter maybe never heard that. And so yeah. they start to put context on their family or see it in the context it is. Yeah. And then, you know, a little bit of back and forth. So my, so the revelation for some kids is, oh, my parents had a life before me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We used to be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't always around. Yeah, we yeah. had like this whole life where we were kids like your age. Right. And that's an important point, you know, the humanification of the process. Right. That's good. You know? uh, well said, yeah. Just so we can start to see each other as human beings rather than mom, dad, Uncle Bobby. Names, labels. Yes. All this kind roles. of roles. You know, yes. it, it shakes up the roles a little bit. Uh, where I don't have to be a, a son or a daughter, I'm now an adult in my family with my own thoughts, feelings, experiences yep. that, that may be different from yours, but that doesn't mean that there's... There's still not commonality. There's still not values that we have in common. That exactly. Obviously, our connection is what it is and exactly. our bond is what it is. And we can get through that if we can find... Instead of focusing on how we're different, we can focus on how we're alike. Yeah. When I talk to families, I'm always talking about, let's talk about connection more than direction. Yeah. Direction, be, direction being your advice. Let's stop doing that. Let's be more about connection, which is what you were talking about a yeah. second ago, mm -hmm. about I feel, which is emotional attunement. Mm -hmm. if, if I can know my emotionality, I have a much better chance of connecting with another human being. If I can say I feel or I see you struggle, or I can tune to your feelings, now we're building that bridge that you talk about. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to talk about how you're not performing or I'm scared you're not doing what you're supposed to do or any sort of advice giving or hierarchical relationship when that's not what the person needs because he's already describing himself as an adult, somebody who's got his own thoughts, you know what I mean? Right. So it's almost like we're stuck in this old paradigm of when it was necessary for it to be hierarchical, where I was the person providing safety and keeping you safe yeah. in, in a way that no longer applies. Right. And I love that evolution and that's context because I get why you and I will continue to wax poetic about how when they were sitting right here on our chest and now they're taller than us, you right. know? And it's like, that's part of it. But when it comes to dealing with struggling issues like behavior, mental illness or addiction we got to find a different way to love and care for kids yeah. and the ones that we're entrusted to well and, and to your question too i think it's about bringing about more and more self-awareness yeah. you know typically i uh, uh you know it, it's almost like we want to fix this problem and you're you happen to be the problem <laughs> instead of why don't i back up and see how i'm approaching this Right. How I love and care about how you. How I love and care about you. Not yeah. that I do. Because yeah. we can... we you do. You're sitting here in the room. That's swirling. right. That's right. But oftentimes, that is the excuse for bad behavior. Yeah. I did this because I loved you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right? Why do you hit me? Well, because I love you. Yeah. I mean, that was a thing, right? Yeah, totally. Real thing. Yeah. And so the idea of that being part of the story, right? The collective story is carries over into other ways whether we're physical or it's mental it's mm -hmm. that idea of we need a different strategy yes. if this is going to go places if we're going to be part of the solution then we need to as parents deconstruct some of these old messages that are carryovers from our childhood and our parents childhood 
spare the rod, spoil the child, children should be seen, not heard, you know, all those things yeah. that contextually still exist on some level. Yeah. I love the way Do Dr. Dan Siegel talks about adolescence. Adolescence is the hardest and the most valuable time for any human being on earth. It's when all of the good stuff gets kicked up. A lot of things get discovered. It's your hyper growth. It's your... It's where your sexuality takes off. It's all of these really great things. And then from the parent's perspective, it's all about stop doing all that. Yeah. You're driving me nuts. Yeah, You're an idiot. You're a moron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. yeah. And so that's what I mean by this idea of learning a skill, whether, whether addiction or mental illness is involved or not. Under the best of circumstances, we need better skills as custodians of our children in order for them to realize their own power, their own autonomy, their own incredibleness, their own power. Um, but especially when you got a kid who doesn't recognize any of that. Like what greater skill can we have as parents than to be able to deliver that in a way that he can hear it? Yeah. You know, the other thing I think that's important is um, what I find myself doing a lot is it's almost an intuition or a feeling that although let's just use father and son are sitting there talking, they're not typically talking to the current version of either one of them. Oh my know? gosh. That is so interesting. <laughs> you know, dad's talking to the son that, you know, left for treatment six months ago. And, it, and, the, and the son is talking to the dad from when he was, you know, put an age on it, when he was 13 and, and trying to make the soccer team or something. And it's, it's an interesting reaction oh, I typically get when they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I completely am not giving you credit for the changes that you made uh, since you embarked in treatment. And dad, you know what, I'm not giving you the credit that you, because you're doing your work, too. And, and, you know, people start to, you know, I try to encourage people to look at what's happening now yeah. and, and look for the progress that has been made on whatever path, you know, is, is being carved. That's because that's in the now is where the powerful consciousness and awareness exists. Right. It's yeah. right here, right now. Yeah. It's not somewhere else. Yeah. It's here for us to, to use to our advantage, to, to, to connect. Right. So I encourage you to talk to the current, to the current <laughs> version. I'm talking to you now, now instead that's, of the guy that I met three or four years ago. Yeah, that's really, yeah. that's really powerful. Never heard it put that way yeah. because that is so true. What we do, yeah. we definitely do that because we are because we do have expectation. We do, we do want a return on our investment. We may, may necessarily be focusing on some outcome as opposed yeah. to the process and yeah. what's going on now. I find that every single mom or dad that I've ever talked to is stuck in that space. They're, they're living in anticipated grief or some success, but some it's not in the present moment. Right. It's definitely in the past because I'm going to tell you all the crap that's already happened. Yeah. And then the imply, implication is that you better fix this yeah. because we need resolution. Yeah. Yeah. I have a I have an expectation that Although this gets it's resolved. Like the question of, yeah. you know, how much is enough money, right? What's the number? What's the number? Had, right? Yeah. What's the number? Well, I think it, in my terms, uh, you know, uh, it's, there's just it's just this decrease of freneticism. Mhm. Mm yeah. In action, I appreciate behavior, that. Yeah. Uh, relationship, you know, the reactions are 
calmer, maybe more rational. Uh, you know. I hear mindfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's huge. And I think that's where the growth begins. If you can, and I, that's what I hear from you. And I kind of want to encapsulate this a little bit because um, what I'm hearing is that this idea of present moment, yeah. we get to communicate as we are now, not as we were or w the way we hope we'll be, but as we are now. But see, here's my hang up is, is that, so I, another thing that I, um, like in my own struggles, yeah. in my own life, I'll, I'll get into a situation and my, my litmus test question is, either this shit is real or it's not, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, meaning, and I, I am a, uh, I work the 12 steps. Yeah. Either the steps are real or they're not. Mm. I need to go all in on present moment awareness, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of talk about that and I think that you know, a lot of people conceptually get it, and then there are people who say that's either a real thing or it's not. Yeah. Because you get the feedback of, well, we just need to be present. And, you know, especially from a family, well, you know, excuse me, but no, we have a future to move towards, or we need to resolve this thing in the past. Yeah. But out of that context, if you're having the conversations, oh, yeah, you just got to be present. Yeah. We really have to work these things or apply these things, really yes. have to do these yes, things. They're, yes, they're real, they're so real. therefore they take real effort and effort action. And yeah. action. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, which, you know, for me is constantly setting an ego aside mm -hmm. and, and what's right or wrong or, or my own value system and just say, no, here, now, you. Yeah. And getting lost in that, man. I'll tell yeah. you that time goes away. Yeah. It seems like we could sit for hours and have these discussions. Without a doubt. Whether it's with you or with, you know anybody I'm working with or yes. my family or what have you, it's, there's a true magic that happens. There's an infinity in those kinds. It's kind an infinity. Yeah. There's an eternalism. Yeah, yeah eternalism. Yeah, in, exactly. in the uh, uh, present moment. Yeah. Are we really, really? It's a real thing. It's a real It's a real we're, thing. We're saying that yeah. we're locked. Yeah. Is that important in the way you communicate how you do lean in? Is that that's a big that's a big value of yours? Is that this is real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love that because yes. I think that's important. Because if you put people who have been through this freneticism, which I totally relate to yeah. and and use as a baseline and a data point for my own life, is it's just chaotic. Regardless, it's just that's kind of how we do it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, it's could there be any other way? Yeah. <laughs> Does it, yeah. does it exist? Because it doesn't feel real that mm -hmm. that could be true for us. Yeah, Karsten, I get it, present moment, but we got resolution, we got things to fix, we got things to do, places to see, people to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, <laughs> but present moment, it's real. I love that because it's intentional yeah. and it's a and it's a period, We're not really a comma. It's nice, real, nice. okay? Yeah. And and that that is where in that present moment where we can affect the most change because we are present and that's where our power is. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. But so, to truly practice it. To truly practice it, 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 it not it, just it, in conflict resolution or not just right. in specific specialty situations, but as a way of life. As a way of life. Yes. Okay, so yeah. I have come to abhor the word program. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's about adopting a new way of living or a way of living which brings about a, some different and hopefully desired result. And it's connected to process. Because it, you never arrive, you are right. just in the process of becoming yeah. and becoming and becoming and becoming. No period, let's say. It's just yeah. ongoing. Yeah. There's no need for any sort of context where things are compartmentalized and it's 90 days or it's six months or it's nine month program or whatever. It's like, oh, I will be so happy well, when that's... Operationally, that's one of the things that we talked about a lot when we were creating yeah. was we're going to do away with the numbers. Yeah, It's not about 90 meetings in 90 days. Yeah. It's about going to meetings. Yeah, I love it. Go to There's more room yeah. in there. Yeah, The other will, doesn't leave you much room. It, what will naturally... A lot of scrutiny can come up with the other way. Well, in that... In judgment. You know, I went to three meetings today, so now I have 87 more. You know, it turns into a numbers game. You're checking It's a numbers box. game. It's what I call... Click uh, checkbox recovery. Yeah, it's yeah. clipboard recovery is what I call it. Yeah, yes. And I want to I want to help people get past that. Yeah. Really do this. Yeah. Because that's there's a habit in there. Yeah. Totally. I don't know what it is. Yeah. You're going to discover that. And you will. But yeah. if you go to a meeting every day, naturally or organically, you will find your rhythm that works for you. For you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's that kind of approach that just says like you know length of stay. That's yeah. the other thing. Length of stay, which yeah. makes sense in an inpatient. Uh, facility. There yeah. has to be a, a, a an intake and a, and a discharge. Yeah. But recovery, that, you know, it doesn't. No. There, there. It's a dot 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 it phenomenon. Is. Yeah. Doesn't mean that we have an undetermined length of stay. We right. recommend a length of stay. Yeah. And knowing that full well, in that time period, what needs to happen will happen to get to a point where we're not needed. Yeah. You know? Where there is support, moral support. Uh, it's kind of, yeah. It's kind of like parenting. Where they Absolutely. need us in a different way. Yes. It's different context. Right. But we've done a really good job by setting them up to understand that ultimately it lands with them in terms of how they're going to execute their, their process. How they're going to live in that process, whatever they're discovering right. through the process of working with you and talking about things like presence and present moment and not programs where there's seemingly beginnings and ends, but more process. Yeah. And and those are all the things that I think is what makes what you do valuable, lean in, and what the value is in that, is that you are a person, as I have come to know you, as somebody who is thoughtful and considerate to the process and working on his own process at the same time, Absolutely. trying to... Well, yeah, it, it, it's about taking care of yourself. And that's, it's not something that we do or don't do. I mean, I guess there are people who don't, but it's something that is always going to be, it's always going to reflect how you're doing. Something is going to reflect back to you how you're doing, how yeah. you're taking care of your physical health, your mental health or whatever. Yeah. There is going to be some feedback loop <laughs> there, there is <laughs> right yeah and so and either you and it's pretty it can be very instantaneous uh, <laughs> yes. um but at the end of the day lean in recovery is what uh i mean it's a 
sober living extended care. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's for for uh, men. Yeah. Uh, we say 21 and over, but you know what we're really shooting for is a degree of maturity mm-hmm. and uh, a responsibility to the group, mm-hmm. to the culture, a desire to get better. Yeah. Uh, as pretty much our admission criteria, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, having in in having completed a, a program that, that we trust. Uh, that, that we know that they're getting good care and that a lot of the things that we're talking about are being implemented so that it's not a huge, uh, you know, culture shock right. when they come over. It does happen, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and then the rest of it is really just about, I mean, even in group uh, Friday, you know, the, the comment was, you guys have all been sober for however long anywhere from two to, you know, we've got a couple guys with over a year, year, almost a year and a half sober. That's not the problem. You know, the problem is how you approach your day today and how you can get better from that and grow in that. And take the, and I think that, that, you know, back to stigma, I think that that takes that off the table. It says, yeah, that's what got me here. But what propels me forward is just a true desire to grow as a man. Yeah. And what kind of man do I want to be? Mm-hmm. I, I know what I don't want to be, which is valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, and also knowing who I am now, having an intimate now. relationship with who I am now, good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Because having a clear starting point, clarity of where you are, really is where the power is to get to where you want to go. If a, you don't, it's it's difficult to go anywhere. And in that exercise, it was amazing to see how clear these guys are. Yeah. This is I'm sitting here and I'm this way. This is the path that I would like. This is the goal that I have. Yeah. This is the disparity between those. Yeah. And here are the things that I need to do yeah. to get better from it. But it was also hugely satisfying to hear a couple of them say, you know, I'm sitting right here in this chair and there's no disparity right now. That's beautiful. There's no disparity. I just wow. feel good about who I am, what I'm doing. Of course, we're all in the process of growth, but today I'm happy with who I am. Right. And that makes it Completely worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And also makes it respectful of the process and that when I went to treatment, it was all just straight up 12 step. There wasn't really much else going on. Right. Um, And then when I went to 12 step meetings uh, back in 2001, I I remember (laughs) coming in and he's since passed, God rest his soul, Lenny Levy who became my Yoda and he introduced himself and he said, how you doing? And I just told him my tale of woe. And he said, that's nice. That'll change. And that was it. And I went, you know, okay, old man. You know what I mean? Like, thanks. You know, came in the next day. He said, how you doing? And I went, oh, met this girl, went to breakfast. Oh, great. He goes, that'll change. change." (laughs) And I was like, Okay, we're done here. You know what I mean? Like greatest lessons I ever learned was this idea of impermanence. Impermanence. Absolutely. And and respecting that and reveling in it because it works both ways. And and I love that. And and that was a great introduction to the idea of trusting the process and being in the present moment because emotions and feelings are just visitors. Yeah, some you know the the some of them we think are going to stay forever. Well, of course. And then others we hope never leave. 
Of course. And I think that once we start to get more in the middle of that yeah. and say, you know what, the, the cool people are going to leave and the, and the shitty people are going to show up, and, <laughs> yeah. but they're going to leave too. Yeah. You know, There's a sweet spot in there. There is. It doesn't, it's not, it's not permanent. No. You know, but, the, but again, back to this idea of awareness or the practice of awareness, yeah. which is, okay, I feel really good today. Yeah. I feel really good today. I do too. And seeing I feel you, really good that your you got on the bus. bus. Yeah. You know, that's, amazing. it's been magical. What you guys are doing is amazing. Thank you. And thank you for getting on the bus. Yeah. Thank you for what you do at Lean In. Thank you, thank you for what you've taught me and our relationship and continue to be a good friend. And we have some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life. I tell you, I, mean, I value, you know, cause sometimes, uh, you know, I suppose in my office, I can feel, you know, uh, alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we've had you and I have had multiple conversations <laughs> where I, at the very least, I walk away knowing I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and that there are a lot of us out here that are trying to do good, yeah. and uh, the more we can support each other, yeah. the, the less alone I feel. And I'm sure that it goes both ways. Uh, you know, with with anybody I talk. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think that's the that's a good way to segue into uh, Wide Wonder. Couldn't be more grateful to all of the people out there that you've just mentioned yeah. who are the warriors, who feet on the ground, boots yeah. on the ground, first responders, police, emergency doctors, yeah. uh, you know, neighborhood warriors who have lost children, mm -hmm. who go out and talk to people on the streets, yeah. give them Narcan, tell them they're worth something. Yeah. The, the real boots on the ground people yeah. um, who have a story of struggle that is greater than I would wish on anyone in terms of the grief that they felt. How about the, how about the doctor? How about the mortician? How about the oh. coroner? How about the firemen? How about any of those first responders and police that are in areas in Ohio and West Virginia and Maine and some of these high overdose areas? Yeah. They all deserve to, to be honored in their struggle and how they get through the day. I thought of this yesterday. It overwhelmed me because yeah. there are people who are experiencing death daily. Multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. And I just want to give them a shout out and thank you for what you do. And we recognize you do this and we honor you for that. You. And, and let's just let's keep trying to bring us together and not blow us apart. Yeah. We need to be together if we're gonna get out in front of addiction. We can't get out of in front of it without it being a group effort. And thank you guys for, for paying uh, some attention to us today on uh, Get On The Bus podcast, brought to you by Wide Wonder, and brought to you by uh, Eating Recovery Center and Inside Behavioral Health. They've been great sponsors of us and have allowed us to do things like this and meeting people and talking with people like Karsten McCarter, Leaning Recovery. And we'll see you uh, on the bus next episode. Take care. Wow, thank you, Karsten, so much for getting on the bus. It means so much to me that you came out here um, and joined us today. I'm so grateful for our relationship and all the love and support you've shown me over the years. I could not do this life journey without you. So thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. 
It's also really, really important that we thank our sponsors, Eating Recovery Center and Insight Behavioral Health, who provide the very best care to patients, families, and providers of care in the treatment of and recovery from eating disorders and related conditions. I've been familiar with ERC for five years, and they're simply the best. They have the number one doctors in the world for treating eating disorder, period. Of course, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. We'd certainly appreciate, again, a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for that. Also, remember to follow us and the family, uh, Wide Wonder, on the web at www. You don't have to say that anymore. Uh, Widewonder.life is the website. It's also our Instagram. And we have a Facebook and a YouTube. Of course, you got to have all that, right? Until next time we get on the bus, I'll leave you again with my favorite Chinese proverb. If you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, go help somebody.